Hi, welcome to BCI Cattle Chat. I'm Brad White, joined today by Dr. Philip Lancaster, Dr. Brian Lubbers, Dr. Dustin Pendle, Dr. Bob Larson, and we've got a special guest today, Dr. Ann Kuntz from Alltech. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Brad. Good morning. Good morning. So we're happy to have Dr. Ann with us today. She's a nutritionist, works with, with Alltech, and is actually their senior research scientist. So she's going to share some information today with us, and we appreciate Alltech sharing her expertise with us today and with you as well, because we're gonna talk some about timing of calving, how we decide when is the best time for your operation. And we've got some examples of when and why you might wanna tweak that just a little bit, as well as making sure those heifers get bred before the cows and body condition score timing and check, taking a check on the cows at this time of year, what can we actually do with that information? So we're happy to have Ann with us. And, and Ann, as I mentioned at the top, you've, you've got some good experience. You do nutrition, not just for beef cattle, but a lot of species. Tell us a little bit about you. Oh, thanks, Brad. I'm super happy to be with you guys today. I'm excited about this conversation. Um, my background is in beef cattle. It's, that's uh, what my degrees are in. But being with Alltech is a, a global feed additive company. And I took the global part of that to heart. Uh, I lived in China for a bit. Uh, and I do a lot of our international collaborations with Brazil and China. Um, because of that. And so as a result, I do everything that happens in those countries. So I, I run the gamut from beef and dairy and pigs and chickens all the way down to the occasional fish, shrimp, horse, and crop. <laughs> and wow. it's, it's, it's a little different every day and I love it. Yeah, that's a, that's a broad spectrum because I think most of us, even as we think about, well, we spend most of our time thinking about things with rumens and you just named several species. I would have no idea how to do the nutrition on. <laughs> so, well, thankfully, uh, Alltech has an amazing team of specialists in each of those. And so it's it's kind of my job to connect those specialists together when we're talking about issues that cross species. It's a lot of fun. Excellent. Well, we appreciate you joining us today. And as I mentioned, we've got several topics to get to. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to talk about or you have a question that you'd like us to address, you can send us an email at bci at ksu.edu. Also, a great way to sign up. We send out a weekly newsletter, which contains some of the information from the podcast, as well as some of the other current research updates from projects that we're working on. Before we get into our topics today, guys, I've got to ask you, it's this time of year. What's your New Year's resolution? Have you got one planned out yet? Well, my, my resolution was to not argue with Brad this year, this coming year. And I think I've already broken that one. <laughs> probably, probably so. Uh, I guess uh, for the ones I want to share, that I probably listen to more podcasts, Brad. Yeah, there you go. Philip. You know, I'm not big on New Year's resolutions. I don't know if I've ever really even made one. Well, so there you go. You're resolving. You're resolving not to make a New Year's resolution. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I'm I'm definitely with Philip on the generally not making a New Year's resolution. But I suppose if I had to make one, it would probably be to spend a little bit more time being quiet and enjoying the world around me. The last year, I said I was going to do more running and exercise. Well, that didn't go so well. Uh, so <laughs> I've decided to make it a realistic expect, something that I'll enjoy. So mine this year is going to be eat more beef. Oh, there, there you go. go. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's always at this time of year. So we work at the university and it, we are right across from the rec center. And at the rec center in January until about February 3rd, 
it's hard to find a place to park. But then after that, I think the resolutions wane and people are, then you can park over there wherever you want to. So you got about a month to go into it. So hopefully you've got a good New Year's resolution at home and, and able to start out on one. But as we, as we jump into the new year, let's think about calving timing. So this is a topic that we've talked about in, in several areas. And I think as, as we, a lot of times we're kind of locked into it because we calved at this time last year, although we're able to make some tweaks and there's many considerations in timing of calving relative to both my nutritional plan, my breeding plan, even on the animal health aspect. So I wanted to ask you guys, how do you, how do you figure out if I'm coming to you and I've got a cow calf herd, I typically calve in, let's say February, what would be some of the things you'd want to know about my operation on whether or not I should tweak my calving timing? Well, I'm going to start with a calf health issue. And, and there's definitely a lot of geographic differences by temperatures and rainfall and things like that. But in, in this part of the world, I'm a little concerned that February may not be ideal from a calf survivability standpoint. I'd like to have them calve when there's less likely to be bad weather or at least less likely to string together a lot of days of bad weather in a row. Uh, as we get into March and April, yeah, you can have some bad weather, but typically it doesn't last very long. So it's not as high a percentage of the calf crop that's born on a on a tough day and they have time to recover. So, you know, from a strictly calf health standpoint, I like to avoid the really, um, really cold temperatures. Yeah, I'm I guess I'm with Bob on the on the calf health side. The it, the weather is one component of it, but then when I expect to have some pasture availability to get those calves out on is another piece of that because the calf health isn't just the cold weather, but we know that if we're calving in confined areas um, that we can get buildup of pathogens. And then that also affects calf health. Whereas if we can get those calves spread out a little more, uh, we don't have that accumulation of viruses or bacteria that will affect the calves negatively. So um, I, I'm with Bob, I think in this part of the world and, and certainly anywhere north of us, um, probably pushing those dates back um, is probably a good idea. So, I mean, tying in both of what Brian and Bob have said, I think one of the things that I like to think about when I'm looking at calving timing is how much management effort do you actually want to put into your calving? I mean, do you want to be having to pull cold, wet calves into a barn? Do you want to be, you know, out in that weather yourself? How many people and how much energy, do, you know, are, are you going to devote to calving? And that can dictate sort of how much you're willing to put up with to get early calving versus being okay with calving a bit later and, and maybe giving up some weight and weaning. And, and I want to follow up because one of the things about that calving timing, we often think about in, in rough terms, we've got uh, about a nine month pregnancy and it's going to take those cows anywhere in the adult cows. It may take them two, two and a half months before they recycle again. So a lot of times if she has a calf once a year, every year, that means everything's gone pretty well nutritionally and breeding and all of those aspects, but I don't have a lot of flexibility there that I can really shrink that calving season. No, you, you really don't. And I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a math nerd. So I like looking at the math of this kind of thing. So if you have a 365 day year, typical pregnancy is, is you said nine months, but 283 days to put a specific number on it, you're, you're down to only 82 days. So if we think about a typical calving time period, we want those, those 
cows to calve in a 60 day window, ideally, and that leaves us that roughly 21 days to get them cycling and functional so that we can breed them so that we're back and keeping that 365 cycle. And, and it's, it's tight. It's tough. I mean, there's this, there's a reason it's a gold standard for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like you said, if, if I'm calving my herd in that 60 day window, not only do I want to calve in a 60 day window, I want most of them to calve at the very first part of that window so that they get as much time as possible with that postpartum interval or that postpartum period before they can come back and cycle because that, that 60, 70 day postpartum period, that varies a little bit. And I know Philip, you've done some looking at that, that that postpartum period can be pretty important for the, as we look, keeping those cows in the herd. Yeah, and Bob can jump in here too, but it, you know, getting those or cows to rebreed early in the breeding season. So you got calves born early makes a big difference in that profitability of a, of a herd. Um, we've some of the stuff that we've done modeling cow herds that that percent that cycle in the first 21 days and the percent that calve in the first 21 days of the calving season has an impact on the e efficiency and profitability of that herd. One thing to think about is, I mean, those calves during that time frame and their, their growth changes while they're out there on with their dam, but they they grow about two and a quarter pounds a day. And if you take two and a quarter pounds a day growth, even by just two weeks, you know, you've added on 35, 40 pounds of a calf. And, and it's the same genetics, the same nutrition. My, my costs are basically the same, but he's, you know, 40, 50 pounds heavier strictly because he was born two, three weeks earlier. And so uh, from a from an income standpoint, those older, heavier calves certainly bring in more income. And from the cow standpoint, just like what Ann said, uh, it just gives me more days for them to be ready for being, you know, back in fertile heat cycles before the bull, the bull turns out. So uh, there's there's a lot of, uh, and, and that goes back to something uh, I think Brian said, you know, it's easy, oh, cow management is easy when they're grazing green grass. I mean, cows and, and humans, I love cows on green grass because I don't have to think very much. And so the more I can align that with kind of those peak nutritional needs around early lactation, uh, the easier it is to manage cows. I'm not fighting, I'm not fighting them. They're, they're kind of helping me out. Well, and I think your, your point there of we like to kind of put things on cruise control. I guess after this conversation, one of my challenges as you're thinking about your herd at home, one of my challenges to you would be to say, why do you calve when you do? And there may be really good reasons, or it may be because that's when we've always calved. And I would not encourage you to try to move it by months, but I would consider maybe I slide that back a little bit. Maybe I calve a little bit earlier to make the breeding easier. Maybe I slide it forward because I'm going to try to hit that green grass and have the calves uh, out on pastures. Either way, just give some thought to the process. You may say, hey, I'm calving at the right time for me. The other part of this equation and what greatly influences our calving season and our front end loading is when our heifers calve. And I wanna ask you guys a, a pretty specific question. I said earlier, and I think it's pretty common, heifers should calve before the cows. People will say that. How much before would you recommend? I mean, I, I'd say generally you're looking at about three to four weeks is what you want. Um, and really the reason for that is that your, your first calf heifers are still growing. Uh, and so there's, there's a 
a hierarchy of nutrient use that essentially comes in and they're going to put energy towards growing before they put energy and they're going to put energy towards towards their um, lactation to, to feed their, their existing calf before they put any energy towards getting, you know, re, re, be, being ready to rebreed. So I, I think it, it really comes down to just giving those first calf heifers the best possible chance to yeah. be successful long-term in a herd. I, I totally agree with Anne. We, we had a grad student that did a little bit of uh, research a few years ago. And when I, if I was strictly looking at the calendar, I'd like to breed those heifers 45 days ahead of the cows. Then they would have plenty of time to come back in. But then you really start running into, oh, that's really early and they're really young and those kinds of things. Uh, and so I, my ideal is pretty close to what Ann said, you know, three weeks, maybe 30 days, um, three to four weeks would be ideal. Um, and and you, to be honest, working with herds, I'll take anything you can give me. If it's a week ahead of the cows, if it's 10 days ahead of the cows, I think that's that's useful. Uh, and so I'm, I'm aiming for 30 days, 28, 30 days, but I'll certainly take two weeks or three weeks. I think that's very helpful in getting those heifers back for their second pregnancy, ready, ready to breed for their second pregnancy. So why, why? But you guys are giving me the, okay, we, we okay. got to have them a couple weeks before the cows. Why do I need to, do, why can't I not just calve them with the cows? Well, I'll, I'll throw my two cents in and then Philip and Ann, the nutritionist can, because I got to get my opinion in first before the nutritionist costs. <laughs> That'll oh, give them a chance to correct it. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, those first calf heifers, and Ann said it, they're, they're still growing. Um, the research would say they, they just take longer to return to fertile cycles after their first calf. And so because they take longer, and she already said, you know, we have 365 days in the year, 283 days of, of pregnancy. I need them to get pregnant again within 82 days after their last calf. And that's asking a lot for a first calf heifer. So if I can give her two or three more weeks extra, now I'm at 110 or 120 days, you know, prior. If she's got that many days, she'll make it back. And so it's just that they're different now. I can shorten that a little bit by making sure that they're really getting all their nutrients, but I can't shorten it clear down to what a cow is like, I don't think. Well, I'm going to take a little different approach. I mean, we're talking about here the kind of the scenario trying to maximize the rebreeding of those first calf heifers. You know, looking at it from a genetic standpoint, you know, if I want to really put some pressure on reproduction in my herd, Maybe I want to select those heifers that can get rebred in a short window. And so that I can have some, I can improve that reproductive, I guess, gene pool in my herd. And so I want to put a little bit more pressure on those heifers to get rebred in a shorter window and, and find the ones that can. I think that's, that's true to some extent. I don't want to baby them too much. I, I, I want to make them work for their living, but from, and yeah, that's I, I, but how much but I've already put a to. lot of money into it. it's kind of like, well, I've got a fifth grader. It's like time to grow up, boy. Let's, you know, treat him like a man. It's like ah, a little bit. I don't want to treat him like a baby anymore, but they're not a full grown cow yet. And so and that's where I'm almost thinking that 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 three week, you know, 21, 28 days is kind of that. Yeah, you're not treating them like an adult, but you're not giving them too much leeway where. I'm, you know, cutting them too much. I don't know. I, I don't know. That's just my opinion. But heifer, I mean, I, heifers are not just, heifers are not just small cows, right? And I want to, and I want to get to your thing. And, and then I want to ask Dustin, Dustin, I'm going to ask you about what about the, 
as we talk, they're talking about keeping those heifers in the herd. What's the cost if they fall out? Go ahead, Ann. No, I was just going to say, I'm, I'm kind of sitting here in the middle of, of Bob and Philip, and I, I think absolutely we want to put pressure on the herd to be as productive as possible in the environment we give them. But we, as, as you've said, we have to remember that heifers are not just small cows. They're, they're doing things cows are not physiologically. And there's only so much pressure we can put on that physiological system before it breaks down. And so that, you just have to find that balance that works in your production system. So you were, Brad, you were asking what's the, uh, the cost of a cow dropping, falling out of the herd? Yeah. Correct. Well, you're going to reduce some costs, right? Some feed costs. Uh, possible animal getting sick, et cetera. So I guess you call it a cost savings, but you know, from the revenue side, that potential revenue that you could make off, off of a cow or off of the, the calf, but then you could, you would make a little bit of, you know, money off of the coal cow. So those would be kind of some of the, I guess what I would see is some of the costs associated with that. Yeah. We had a, 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 again, a grad student that did some work looking at cow longevity and, and, you know, when we think of cow longevity, a lot of times you think about feet and legs and just structural soundness, but a lot of it has to do with reproduction. And a lot of it has to do with, did she get pregnant for her second calf? And that cows that make it to their second or third calf tend to have really good longevity. And, and so it's probably more, longevity is probably more of a reproductive trait and probably more of a heifer rebreeding trait then it really is structural soundness, feet and legs. And, and of course, at, at some point, yeah, they go out of the herd because of, they could go out of the herd because of structural soundness. Because I really want those cows. I've put so much money into them that first two, three years. I want them to stay around for some calves. You don't trade your pickup every year in most scenarios, right? Hey, and, and that's because- analogy. Yeah, so back to the pickup analogy. So I, I think that's, you don't wanna have your heifers come in and be there for one year and then go out of the herd, right? And, th and that's worth probably doing some math on on what makes sense in your herd. But I think the economics, the genetics, the nutrition all play into this, but the, our bottom line summary is calve those heifers before the, before the cows. I wanna shift gears and go back to talk a little bit about, so this time of year, we're coming up on calving. Let's say we're two to three months prior to calving. Body condition scores, we often do those at preg check, but this is another important time of year to do those. And Brian, I wanna start with you. And I, and I wanna say, where do you want to see the cows at this time of year as we're a couple months before calving? relative and we don't have to get into specific scores but where do you want to see them yeah so at this time so in the middle right that's the that's the easy kind of short answer right or the, we can give the goldilocks answer with not too fat not too thin right okay so we want them kind of in the middle but let's say we're not what if we're not in the middle of that what if we're tending to be on the thin side and what do i do uh you separate out your thin cows and you start feeding them <laughs> Um, the, so thin cows are absolutely way more of a problem than your heavy cows at this time when you're, when you're looking at rebreeding and things like that, you've got a 10 to 20% reduction in return to cyclicity and breeding success with every body condition score, you fall below that sort of Goldilocks five to six range. Uh, so if you've got thin cows, you start putting energy in front of them, you start putting protein in front of them. Um, and, and you try and get them to pull up because the data that's out there says that if you've got thin cows and they're improving their plane of nutrition, so if, if they've got thin cows and they're, they're, you're putting weight on them, you do actually improve that chance of successful breeding way more than if you've got thin cows that are maintaining. Yeah, because if they're just staying the same, there's some different factors that come into play 
when they start gaining some weight. And a lot of times you said separate them. And I'm going to assume because Dustin, we keep going back to your, your profitability study. But when you looked at that winter feed cost was a was a big deal. If I separate them, I can more economically and nutritionally manage those individual cows if they're if they're separate. Yeah, if, I mean, there's additional costs, though, right, of, of trying to separate the cows. You got labor availability, labor costs. And so there are, it's not, you might save from an economic, you might be able to feed different kinds of feed, different qualities of feed, and it might save there, but there will be additional cost, right, to get to that. So only if I've got enough in that, only if I've got enough in that thin group that it makes sense to feed them separately. If I've got one cow, it may, it may add more labor, labor than it does benefit. Right. Yeah. And, and Bob, does that, is that going to get us over the hump? Do I have enough time? If I'm calving in two months and I've got some body score four cows, so a, a body score typically we'd say is about a hundred pounds. They've got to gain a hundred pounds in two months. Is that possible? Well, yeah, you look at that. And so you've got 60 days to gain a hundred pounds. So they're going to have to gain a little more than a pound a day. And they, they certainly can. And again, it's going to depend a lot on the forage quality. Uh, well, let me say it this way. The better the forage quality, the less additional supplement I'm going to need. Um, and so if I've got pretty good quality forage, maybe I'm not talking about that much supplement. If really I'm saddled with very poor quality forage, uh, that's going to be a fair amount of supplement to get a cow to gain uh, a little over a pound a day. But it's cer certainly doable. I mean, a pound a day is something you can do with some, you know, some of the common supplements, which might be, you know, uh, energy cubes or, uh, uh, you know, distillers grains or, or soy hulls. You know, we've got a lot of options that can provide some calories uh, for those cows. But this is, this is a great opportunity to work with your local nutrition person or your veterinarian or your extension person and figure out exactly what you need, what's the best cost for that and manage the entire diet. So sometimes we just see a problem and try to throw a specific component at it, but we need to manage that entire diet. So I think what you guys are saying, I may not have the perfect amount of time now, but if I go look, I've got more time than if I wait till calving. Right. And then if I wait till calving, it's too late. I can't get them to supplement and go back to, to rebreed as well. And that's the consequence that I don't want. So I want to go check now. We, we have appreciated great conversation. And, and, and we appreciate having you here with us from Alltech. Your, your position as senior research scientist sounds very interesting. And certainly some of the things you guys are doing as a, as a company is great. We appreciate Alltech sponsoring this episode and having you join us. So thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And as always, if you have questions, comments, anything you'd like us to talk about on a future episode, you can send us an email at bci at ksu.edu. Mm -hmm.